0: cliffcentral.com. Hello, have you got me? Yeah, we got you loud and clear. How are you? Wonderful. Good, nice to see you, sir. All right, so JJ, let's, uh, let's get straight into this. It's brought to you by the Johannesburg Business School because I know you've got lots to tell us and I don't want to run out of time. Um, I saw something uh, about this on one of the news services that I follow on, on social media, but this is quite a daring rescue by the U.S. of a citizen in Niger. Do you want to tell us about how that happened?
1: Well, he's 27 years old, Philip Walton, mm-hmm. and he actually lives in Niger. Now, he was seized by these jihadis, obviously with the intention of selling him, wanted mm. to ransom him. Right. And the Navy SEALs, the Navy Commandos, then found out where he was. They tracked him through the assailants' cell phones And they got to him and 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 rescued him. Uh, There's no indication of how many people were injured or killed in the operation. Seems to be a very clinical one. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, there's more power to them to be able to do this. But uh, uh, this issue of in particularly up there in the Sahel of grabbing people for ransom yeah, Is prolific at this time, you know, and I mean, you hear of people being held aid workers and so I've been held for years before finally being rescued. So this guy was just a couple of days, in fact, and uh, he was kidnapped from his home. So something carefully thought out <laughs> and I'm very pleased that it's ended up uh, happily for him anyway. Yeah,
0: it's incredible what's going on in that part of the world and that that uh, area on the borders of both Niger and and Nigeria is hotly contested, and it seems to be largely quite lawless.
1: Well, it's where Boko Haram is is operating with impunity. Mm. And despite what the governments in the area have said, you know, we'll get this under control, they haven't been able to. And Boko Haram has managed its insurgency now for years and killing thousands of people. So it's very, very worrying. Uh, Interesting that the Navy SEALs were allowed in uh, I'm assuming they were allowed in. Mm. And, and it's interesting the way Donald Trump has played Africa in a very militaristic way, using drones. Not very often they put boots on the ground, but you can't actually rescue somebody, I imagine, using drones. So uh, they had to do it, and they've done it well. I, I, uh, I haven't seen him claim credit or any credit for it, but it is a foreign uh, policy uh, boost for mm. him, there's no doubt.
0: Yeah, sure. Any good operation, any successful operation like this seems to last out, outlast any presidency. I mean, we're still, I think, everybody is still captivated by those those images of Barack Obama down in the Situation Room during the raid on Osama bin Laden's compound in Pakistan. We won't forget that in a hurry. And this is obviously not on the same scale, but this is a big deal. And and it ended, as you say, in a in a good way for the American who was rescued from this ransom attack. Well, if you
1: recall Jimmy Carter was a one-term presidency because yes. there the, the attempt to rescue those hostages in Iran, in Iran the yeah. whole embassy hostage in Iran was a failure because of engine failure of the helicopters. you know it was just one of those operations that just went bad and it cost Jimmy Carter mm-hmm. a second term as president.
0: Well, speaking of elections and second terms as president, let's just go through a couple of the elections because we've got a U.S. election that's kicking off today. But there are also poll aftermaths that we need to pay attention to all over this continent. Um, I, I didn't know that the Seychelles held their election. I also didn't know about Cote d'Ivoire. So tell us, give us a, a synopsis of what's been happening politically on Africa's,
1: uh, well, on well,
0: Africa's stage.
1: You know, I go to Africa as an election observer. Mm. It's one place, I, one way I've managed to get around the continent. And I have to tell you, if I had any choice, it would be uh, as election observer in the Seychelles. <laughs> and there we have... <laughs> <laughs> well, why not? You know, you choose your island and, and it was very peaceful. You remember Danny Foro, the president, was the guy who created this message from underwater saying, save our islands, mm. uh, a message to the world. And it was very interesting. But the fact is, uh, Wavel uh, Ramal Kallan, he's uh, an Anglican priest and he's fought this election six times. So after 28 years, finally, the opposition come to power uh, mm. uh, for a accepted defeat, acknowledged defeat quite early on. And we now have a new president in the Seychelles. And, you know, we hope it works it's a country that would be badly hit by the uh, lockdown it, ba- it relies hugely on tourism Absolutely. and uh, so so we wish it we wish it well uh, we do the, the the seychelles and it's good for us good for i mean it's part of uh, the Sadiq region so mm-hmm. uh, a, a good a good news story i would like to tell you from from the seychelles as for cote d'ivoire we have alassane watara 78 it was the battle of the old men and the bitter chocolate Sadly, uh, Côte d'Ivoire, <laughs> the country where they have uh, the, you know, most of the chocolate slabs you and I eat, I mean, if your blood count is as high as mine, you probably eat as much as I do, yeah. all comes from Côte d'Ivoire. And Alassane Ouattara, because the, his chosen successor actually died, was forced to stand for a third term. Uh, the opposition actually boycotted it. And uh, Guillaume Soro... Who is one of those who fighting is saying he's now formed a so-called transitional government. There's been no response from the uh, from the government on that one. Uh, the uh interestingly, ISA, the Electoral Institute for Sustainable Do- Democracy in Africa, the group that I generally go with as, as observer, mm-hmm. they said it was generally satisfactory. But the Carter Institute, another group, one of the great legacies that Jimmy Carter has left is this. Election observer group, and they're very, very authoritative, and they've said it's not generally satisfactory. So, for once, it's very rare that it happens. There's a difference between the Carter Institute and ISA on on this outcome. Uh, they say there was widespread fraud, and uh, five people died in clashes on the day. Oh my goodness! Thirty people died during the during the run up to that election. And, of course, we worry that, you know, with, with not accepting, remember 2010, 2011, when Laurent Gbagbo refused to accept the victory of Alassane Ouattara. Yes. 3,000 people died in what we'd like to call a civil war. They still call a you know, sustained unrest. But that's Cote d'Ivoire, so it's not very good news at the moment. No. In uh, Guinea, Alpha Condé, who's, uh, again, taken a controversial third term, uh, there 's legal challenges against his poll, uh, and they claim again uh, widespread fraud but I think the most worrying and the most disappointing is Tanzania, which was very much a paragon of, of democracy in the region. We have uh Immanuel Nvula, who was uh, the uh, of, of the one party saying that chadema, the main opposition uh they they 've arrested their 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 leader um Freeman Nboe. And another leader of uh, Chadema, who is uh, uh, Seth Sharif, uh, uh, he's Hamad, he's also been arrested. So they've got these arrests. John Magafuli claims you know, he's going for a second term, a, y, uh, a landslide victory. Uh, we haven't had word from observers. I don't think there were that many observers there, but sure. it's, it's, it's all very concerning. And uh, uh, given that you know he, he came in with a lot of hope, and he's been very, very, very heavy-handed. And mm-hmm. then finally, in terms of elections, uh, Gareth, we have Algeria, they had a referendum on the constitution. Remember that Abdelaziz um, Bouta was put out last year, uh, a man called Abdelmajid uh, Teboun, he came in, but the Hiraq, uh, the group that actually, of, of uh, the protesters, and they had weekly protests, and, the, and to its credit, the government never really really cracked down physically on them, but they've lost patience with them now. But the Hirak said, don't bring in a new president. That's simply a new facade. That's not what we want. We want a real change in the structure of this country. And and, uh, that didn't happen. Tebun came in. He wasn't there to applaud the the referendum result because he's actually now in Germany receiving treatment. We think it might be for COVID, but we're not 100% sure of that. But the thing is, they had a record low turnout, less than a quarter of uh, Algerians, eligible Algerians turned out, 66% of them voted yes, though, for the referendum. But a record low turnout would indicate that Iraq, the people calling for change, are still in the ascendancy there.
0: Wow. Uh, That's a lot of of very interesting political results. I'm, I'm concerned, as you are, about Tanzania, but... There are also other things that you've introduced into this discussion before that I'd like to hint at and, and perhaps get some clarity on before we let you go this morning. You talked about that mega dam that Sudan and Ethiopia and Egypt are in talks to either to, to build or to delay the building of, um, and there's a huge amount of controversy around there. You said it's possibly the biggest story on the continent at the moment. What's going on? Are there any updates?
1: well the talks have started so since we last spoke we had the uh, uh outrageous remarks by president donald trump also known as the drunk uncle saying that egypt would bomb the dam or should bomb the dam that's not going to happen but egypt did say early on that they would not go to war over this although 98 percent he's still trying to work out you know how, how much of the water comes from that from the nile and the blue Nile goes through ethiopia now ethiopia as i might have mentioned last week was not involved in the original talks on the Nile agreement on the nile that was sudan egypt and britain as the colonial power ethiopia not involved in that so they saying, well we've built the dam they have it's 145 meters high that damn wall they nearly finished it now and 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 it's holding back a, a great deal of water already so the talks have started they involve the african union that means that will be our president ramaphosa involved in those the uh, the um the uh, united nations Mm -hmm. which would be the u.n secretary general antonio guterres and the world bank and so these talks have resumed and one hopes they will get an agreement essentially Uh, Sudan and Egypt very, very worried about access to the water coming through that dam. But what we're learning more and more is that the dam could control some of the very bad flooding that uh, Sudan experiences. Mm. Now, Egypt experiences flooding every year, but it has historically used that flooding. You know, the silt that remains afterwards is what they grow their crops on. So the flooding is not something that borrows them. They also have the Aswan Dam. Right. But uh, the, for Sudan, it could be partly beneficial, although they do worry that they will have the same amount of water or access to the same amount of water.
0: It's interesting. You e- know, what,
1: Ethiopia will become the largest exporter of hydroelectric power in Africa once this dam is wow. completed.
0: Well, it's interesting. When you think about Sudan, you don't really think about flooding because you think it's this desert country that has, uh, you know, it has the Nile, obviously, but you don't think about flooding as being a major problem for them. So that's an interesting thing to add to our our general knowledge about the continent. And Jean-Jacques, you always do give us something to think about. So thanks again for your time today. Jean-Jacques Cornish will join us again in a couple of days' time, and we'll get even more from him about this really fascinating and constantly changing continent that we're in. And uh, I do hope that Cyril and the UN manage to make some difference with the the new dam that they're building, although I'm sure that the uh, Egyptians, the Sudanese, and the Ethiopians aren't exactly sitting with bated breath waiting for Cyril's thoughts on this matter. We will find out what happens in the U.S. election next. That's coming up on cliffcentral.com. Jean-Jacques Cornish, thank you so much. The um, African Always. analysis, uh, which is brought to you by the Johannesburg Business School. Cliffcentral.com.